So our odyssey through British TV is uh, come to a pretty abrupt halt. There's really not that much. So uh, this might be the last one. I'll keep my eyes peeled to see if I can find any more. There'll be more in the 60s, but for the 50s, for some reason, there's a million episodes of the Larkins we could still watch. <laughs> but that seems to be the only show. And there's some more of those Billy Bunters, too. But uh, the last one I had, this is, it's just Sherlock Holmes. So it's like... I didn't even research it that much because everybody knows Sherlock Holmes, right? Like, what is there to know? But this is weird because uh, there was a Sherlock Holmes show that ran in the early 50s for six episodes, but there's no episodes of it remaining because they they figure no one ever recorded it in the first place. They did it live like a stage play, and they broadcast it out, and there never was a recording to even lose. It just, that was it. <laughs> so, So those are all gone. But I found from 1951, this is a pilot they did for a Sherlock Holmes show that never got aired, that they filmed on 16mm. So technically it's a British TV show, but they just never played it. But it's not even that same one that I was reading about. This is different people playing Sherlock Holmes and stuff. So this was just like their Sherlock Holmes test run, and it never got aired at all. But ironically, it still exists, and the really? one that the ones See, that aired that are gone. Odd. And it's yeah. early, 1951. That's 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 yeah. early TV. But uh, yeah, I guess Sherlock Holmes. I'm sure everybody knows 1880s or whatever stories, and they've just been making Sherlock Holmes shit ever since. So yes, <laughs> they still and are. bending them and making them into all these psychological things. The newest ones are very psychological, as opposed to just uh, solving a mystery. Yeah, I heard it was good. What's that guy's name? Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah. Isn't, and I, I never saw them, but I heard those were good. Yeah, I've heard, I've seen a few of those, and it takes you a while to kind of get your head around them because they are, they're basically psychological stuff. Right. And the first time I watched it, I was like, oh my god, oh, this is stinks. This is this isn't Sherlock Holmes. But the more I watched it, you really get caught up in the whole idea of it, and it's very very modern too, uh, right up to date, and actually a little bit futuristic. Uh, it certainly isn't the old Sherlock Holmes with the plaid cape and the hunter's cap or and he had a pipe too right and a pipe <laughs> yeah yeah because that's really i mean i guess i say everybody knows about sherlock holmes but all i really know is sherlock holmes uh professor moriarty was his big uh nemesis his big nemesis and watson was his uh sidekick yeah his doddering <laughs> elementary my dear watson like <laughs> anyone could figure this out you idiot <laughs> that's that's really all i know and I would suspect that this that we're going to watch is very, very uh, similar to the books. Right. And it's the solving of a mystery as opposed to, yeah, that new stuff. I guess the one other thing I do know about Sherlock Holmes is uh, this was just an example of old-timey nerds that, you know, nowadays we've got science fiction conventions and everyone's all into, like, Star Wars and stuff. But I was reading a thing about that that people were like, you know, before Star Wars... The year before Star Wars was uh, Logan's Run, and there were nerd conventions even back then where people. See you later, Bob. There were nerd conventions even back then where people would dress up like they were from Logan's Run. <laughs> you know, it wasn't as popular as it was now. But then, if you go way, way back, I don't remember the name of the guy who wrote the Sherlock Holmes stories, but he killed Sherlock Holmes in one of the stories. Yeah, Arthur Conan Doyle. Right, and it's one of those cases where he intended for that to be the end, but it sure was not the end. But even back then, there were these Victorian nerds wearing black armbands for Sherlock Holmes, you know? It's like, oh, Sherlock's the, the great detective is dead. People are like, oh, somebody died? Yes, Sherlock Holmes died. Like, there's always been these people. <laughs> so... Because nowadays, yeah, or like when Superman died, there's all this, whatever, all this stuff. 
so. People obviously relate to these heroes. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I say this as if I'm not a big nerd. <laughs> like, when that TV show Firefly got canceled, the one by the Buffy dude, I wrote a letter to Fox. Like, as if that's going to do anything. But I don't know, is this dumb fan idea where we're like, I don't know if they see that enough people didn't want this show to get canceled. And it kind of worked because there was enough fan uproar or whatever that they did make a Firefly movie. So at least there was that. And then it was over. So it sort of worked. But yeah, like, I've been there. I've been that guy. <laughs> so. Say so anyway, 1951, unaired Sherlock Holmes. I guess let's just okay, throw let's it on. Okay, let's have a view. So this is The Man Who Disappeared. John Longden, I guess, is the guy who plays Sherlock Holmes. They specifically, they call it the unsold TV pilot. <laughs> so somebody tried and it didn't work. Oh, look at the, the silhouette. So he's got the hat, mm. he's got the, the yep, pipes got of that. The pipe. yep. He's definitely going to be wearing that. Yeah, the violin was his signature piece. This is just so perfect. Just the most amazing man. So that makes me think of, I might have brought this up before, I'm not sure, but uh, I remember it was like uh, my friend Mark, he was the first person to put forward this idea to us when we'd go see movies and stuff, that he doesn't like characters like this. He's like, man, fucking... Batman or James Bond or whatever. They're just so perfect. They're always so good at everything. It's like annoying And we were like, what are you talking about? Like Batman's awesome. How can you be <sighs> opposed to that? But then later as years go by I'm like, you know, I think he was kind of right because that Sherlock Holmes is that perfect example of like So perfect at everything so good at everything. He can fight he can shoot he can deduct things and then it ends with him playing violin It's like can this guy just be bad at one thing, no, please? No, he's well-rounded. He's a well-rounded <laughs> man. He's a hero. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Well, yeah, it is hard to, it's hard to buy into. And yeah, like I guess you were saying, this is not uncommon for various forms of Sherlock Holmes, but that guy was really arrogant, like really arrogant. He's just like... Well, there's so many of the characters, when you watch like various versions of Sherlock Holmes, they're all like that. So the, and I've never read the Arthur Conan Doyle books, but... He must be like that in the books, because they are all like that. Right. They have that streak about them, yeah, that kind of makes you, you smart aleck, you know everything. You know, <laughs> that's how you want to react to them, like, hey, smarty pants. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I imagine if you read the stories that he is like that. Yeah, and I mean, I guess, yeah, I guess it's just a trope or whatever. It's just how it is. But, uh, but I mean, that was, it was a pretty good, pretty good show. But It was almost like a movie as opposed to early television. Yeah, like lots of, you're saying, uh, lots of different scenes, lots of outdoor shots. They had a horse in a carriage. <laughs> they, yeah. Had, yeah. they shot at the London Bridge or whatever. Yeah, they must have shot in the streets of London because, uh, yeah, there was London Bridge in the background, and it certainly looked real. It didn't look like just a, a painted backdrop. Yeah. None of that looked like a painted backdrop. They had the, uh, the scene in the graveyard. Uh, that was that was not just a painted backdrop because the fellow was roaming in amongst the stones. I think that that's probably early TV. There wouldn't have been a lot of of commercials, people who were willing to buy into this kind of stuff. And that show must have been very expensive to produce. And if you were going to have to produce that every week, you couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. 
Later in the 19, like, 80s and that, when TV is so popular and everybody's got two or three in their houses, obviously there's a lot of big money going into it. But in 1951, I doubt that there would have been. Yeah, because even, uh, like, the Billy Bunter show, it had quite a few sets, and it was a bit more elaborate, but I think that was, like, 56, if I remember right. Like, yeah, it was and like... those sets were very much like a set. You could see that that room would set up like a stage setting. These, well, especially the outdoor scenes, were not. And they had, in, in Billy Bunter, you had, what, I don't know, two or three scene changes. This one... Yeah, well, it had only started, and I was up to four already, and then he had more beyond that. So they probably had about eight or nine scene changes in this thing, maybe more. Yeah, so I tried uh, looking up a little information about this pilot, and I couldn't really find anything. But yeah, that was kind of our theory that I think is probably true, is like they put a lot of work into this, and they made it really good. But maybe that backfired. Maybe that's why this was unsold. <laughs> it's just because it's too expensive and too complex. Because what I did find the info about is that six-episode run that they just broadcast live and never recorded. So you got to presume if that was, since it was a live performance, it was probably just one set, if, if maybe yeah. two. So, I mean, compared to that, this is way expensive and complicated. And especially those street scenes. It's not like today when you can go around with a video cam on your, on your shoulder and film street scenes. They would have had to take heavy-duty equipment out into the streets. Yeah. To film that stuff, just like you would in a movie. Well, I think that's they. I think they kind of cut off their nose to spite their face because when they would have gone to produce this thing, the thing would have. The first question would have been, "How much is this going to cost?" And if you had to keep up with that level of scene changes, drama, I doubt that uh, early television could afford that. And very complicated. Like I honestly, if I had to tell you the whole plot right now, I'd probably get it a little wrong. Like so many twists and turns of just stuff that. Uh, but yeah, like I wonder if there was like a uh, transition period where just from watching old movies and those little like film serials that we watched from movie theater stuff were all pretty elaborate. Like, I wonder if they had to, if this was like, like growing pains, like they had, they assumed they could do TV the same way they had been doing film serials and movies. And they probably realized the hard way, like, man, no, we got to make this way cheaper and way simpler. <laughs> so, you know, and yeah, this seems like a, a casualty of that like this would have fit in perfectly in a movie back then but it's probably like a little below a movie but it's way above way other tv ab way above early tv yeah way above yeah that's got to be another benefit to how last week we were saying how the larkins was clearly based on the american family sitcom stuff but also the benefit to all of that has got to be like once you get the house it's like all right we got the different rooms of the house we got the backyard where you go gab to the neighbor and you're good. Every week you can just keep doing that. Where with this Sherlock Holmes show, next week they're not going to go to the opium den down by the bridge. They're going to go somewhere else. Every week it's going to be some other expensive, yeah. difficult location. The only set you might be able to to use would be that their living room. That obviously would be a central set. But yeah, all that other stuff, you'd have to redo it and go to other places and and it would be big money. But it was interesting, too, to see how many of the tropes, like, I would be a little curious to know if all this stuff just came from the stories, but all that stuff we were talking about, the stereotypes about Sherlock Holmes, they were all here. He had the, the hunting cap, he had the, that sort of overcoat thing that With looks like, yeah, uh, he had the pipe. 
Watson was a little toadying idiot, so much so that he dresses up in Sherlock Holmes' stuff for a moment just to pretend he's the great man. And he says, oh, elementary, uh, Watson. And then he gets clubbed over the head because they're coming to arrest or to abduct Sherlock Holmes and they get Watson instead. But it is funny, too, to see how, yeah, you're saying nowadays the new Sherlock Holmes, it's kind of a whole new paradigm and things are different. Where this classic back to the, like, he just literally pulls a magnifying glass out of his pocket and is checking for blood on a windowsill. And that seems so old school nowadays where, you know, we would have something to do with cell phones or drones or well, that SD is what cards. The Sherlock Holmes does. <laughs> right. it, it's very much in the turn of the century, the turn of the 21st century. It has computers and it has, uh, it doesn't have laser stuff, but you know, it has new style. Yeah. You'd have to search for DNA, not like fingerprints. <laughs> yeah, and, uh, and Sherlock Holmes does not look, all of these Sherlock Holmes, these older style ones that are based on the books, they all have basically the same, well, they wear the same attire. They have the same kind of um, elongated, not overly handsome men. They're smart men, but they're not overly handsome men. Right. Uh, Watson is always kind of, uh, even though he's a doctor, he's he's kind of not with it. You know, he's kind of a little <laughs> on the dumb side. Right. Uh, whereas the new, the new Watson is not like that at all. Well, he's, how is he... Well, he's uh, he's got a love life. He's got a he's got a. It's hard to describe what he's like. But I guess uh, I guess just that he is so a character. It's so psychological. The, the the new one is so psychological that although it's called the new Sherlock Holmes, if it wasn't called that, you would not make a connection between the the old Sherlock Holmes or the traditional Sherlock Holmes and this new guy. Anyway, I would give that. If that is a, is a sample of early TV, but I don't think it is, uh, yeah. I would certainly give it, it ten was, thumbs up. Yeah, it, it was aspirational TV. It's yeah. like, this is what they wish TV could have yeah. been, but it wasn't. <laughs> I mean, it was extremely well done. The sets, for the most part, were excellent, except that set where I said it looked like a 50s apartment. I like, too, they were a little bit subtle with, so the basic plot was just this lady's husband was missing, and it's because he was blackmailed he was for, uh, for a murder, and they got him doped up on opium and blah 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 but anyway they find the guy but uh it's like kind of subtle where the wife is like no i'm sure that my husband is alive because we share a psychic connection kind of like i can tell when he injures himself and i would know if he's dead and holmes doesn't say directly like that's poppycock and i don't believe in that i'm about i'm about deductive reasoning but then at the end of the episode he's like haha when she told me all that bullshit <laughs> one of the things she said made me think of my scientific method and that's when i knew so i thought it was kind of neat that they throw that in there that he is so logical and he would never believe in any of this mysticism but he doesn't say it directly it's a little more subtle than that i thought that was kind of cool Gee, I never thought of him, but he's kind of like Mr. Spock. Yeah, very, very much so. I'd say extremely so. Yeah, That's interesting, too. Just a quick little side thing. But uh, I read uh, Leonard Nimoy's book about that. He had I Am Not Spock, which was weird poems and stuff. But then he wrote I Am Spock, which was just a straight-up biography. And he was saying how uh, if you watch the really early Star Treks, he just didn't quite get it yet. You can find tons of scenes where, like, at the end of the episode and everything's wrapping up, he's got a big smile on his face because he didn't quite clue in, like, oh, yeah, Spock's not supposed to do that. <laughs> but then later on, when he's like, okay, I got this character down. This guy doesn't smile. He doesn't do anything. But it's way harder than you would think because you're just watching an hour-long show. But he had to do that for 
every day, day after day. So after work, you'd just be like, oh, <laughs> like, it is not easy to repress yourself like that all the time. It's interesting. I was going to say too, maybe, maybe it's like a more recent idea of the fallible hero or whatever. I'll just let that thing go. Maybe it's a more, I was going to say, maybe it's a more recent idea of fallible heroes and people that aren't just perfect, but it wasn't because Shakespeare always had these people with their tragic flaws, right? Like it was an established thing. Just for some reason, there was just this run in the late 1800s up through the 1900s where they just want these characters to be the fucking greatest at everything. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess that's just, that's where we were. That's what it was. And then it kind of culminated, I guess, in the 80s where it was just everyone was Rambo and it was amazing and da-da-da, I'm the greatest, yeah. and then we... And then you moved into these heroes, yeah, that that have weaknesses, yeah. like the new Sherlock Holmes, for example. That man is loaded with problems. <laughs> right. <laughs> He's a psychological genius, but he has got problems up the yin-yang. I guess part of it, too, is probably just that we're more aware of stuff. Like, if you are a super focused, super analytical person that can deduct things crazily well, you're probably autistic and you don't know how to talk to people. <laughs> like, now we know that. <laughs> I guess yeah. they didn't know that back then. And we try to, I think now that, there, yeah, there's a recognition of that those faults or flaws that you have are acceptable because that's human that's human right whereas in these days people were more black and white you were perfect you were smart you were a genius i noticed in here that i found very interesting is uh the cops come along and home starts dictating you do this and you do that and you go there fella cop and you take him down you take her home and now in the newer one, and in the in the ones that I've seen on British TV, maybe from the 1970s, though Sherlock Holmes, the cops are always like, "Yeah, that's smart ass. I don't. Mean, they don't want anything to do with him. You know, get out of my. You know, stop telling us how to do our job, kind of thing." But in this one, uh, oh no, he just dictated to them, and they just, "Sure, Mr. Holmes, sure, sure, do what exactly we want," and they did. But anyway, here's there we go, Sherlock Holmes, and uh, like I said, I think that. That's it for the 50s in Britain so far. I'm going to keep my eye open and if things pop up, but I think for now we got to go back to America because there's just not enough stuff that exists from England. Cool. Anyway, all right. So here we go. Another week down.